Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Abhishek. We are a cross-cultural couple doing life in India, exploring the lesser-known mysteries of Indian culture, interviewing fascinating figures who have chartered new territories, and sharing life as we raise our multicultural family amongst the complexities of modern Indian life. Hello and namaste, sablo. I'm Jessica coming at you here from Bihar, India. For those of you who know my story, I've been living in India on and off for the last 15 years and I am currently stationed here in Bihar, in the eastern part of northern India. I live with my husband and my two kids. And today I want to share about what is happening in India right now with the second wave of COVID. I'm not going to be sharing a ton of data and points. Everything that you've seen in the news is probably enough. Most of it is true when you see these terrible pictures and data about there being oxygen shortages and just total devastation and chaos. I can tell you from a firsthand perspective that it is true. So I want to share a little bit from my personal perspective of what it feels like to be in the middle of a pandemic situation and kind of what is happening here on the ground. So really, it kind of feels like we are living 2020 all over again. The lockdown situation, a lot of the same things are happening that happened last time. Here in Bihar, it's the migrant crisis is kind of reoccurring. So basically, we feel like, you know, it was kind of under control. So a lot of people are wanting to know, how did this happen? I can tell you from a first-hand perspective that when the government and when the uh, the state-level officials had really pushed us into a full police-patrolled lockdown last year from about March until around September, that uh, people were pretty obedient in the beginning. People really took it seriously. People were wearing a mask. People were trying to social distance the best they could. And everything was canceled. Everything was closed. So people were really listening and, and, and in good shape. As things went on, things got more gila gila. Dire dire gila hote ja rahe the. To log sochte the ki chalo corona khatam ho gaya. Abhi to hai nahi Bihar mein. People really felt like this was behind us and that and it was kind of done and they could resume their normal life. And in a sense, I don't blame people because most of the other epidemics and things which happen in this part of India. It goes away after a couple months and life resumes as normal. So this is not like a new fresh thing where people are completely uh, flabbergasted or just bowled over by this whole new thing. This is like, this kind of happens a lot. People weren't able to shift their mentality to see that this is something that's actually different. This is on a global scale. So slowly, slowly, as we saw the months go by, as uh, September, October, November, November tak pura normal ho gaya tha. Sab kuch khul gaya tha, everything was open, shadi ho rahi thi. Sab kuch ho raha tha. Chhat puja log mana rahe the, Diwali manaya. Sab kuch normal ho gaya tha. And people were just tired, I think, of living in such extreme lockdown. So in a sense, you don't blame people. But on the other hand, you kind of need to blame the public. That people got very tired of living in this kind of capacity. So people just kind of gave up. No one was wearing masks. People just kind of stopped caring. And social distancing was out the window. And everyone really believed that herd immunity And it might have been true that there was a partial temporary herd immunity which had taken place. Now, 2021, we're starting the year, and it's like as things were being reported, the cases are going up, people lost their fear. People didn't care anymore. 
People were like, ha ha, ye to bola gaya tha, hum roko. Thik hai, thik hai. A lot of leaders around India were sharing the message that sab kuch thik hai, hum roko campaign chala rahe hai. People were campaigning for political campaigns, like huge rallies. The Kumbh Mela in Haridwar was on, although they did take precautions and they did test people with uh, a lot of them were rapid tests, which actually, you know, with the new variant, the rapid tests do not always catch the new double mutated variant. So here we are. Let's just go on with our life. Then March hits. Holi's coming. I think people say, oh, cases are, cases are, cases are. And uh, I think people were getting a little nervous. But um, to be honest here, especially in the northern parts of India, you don't get a reaction from people from data. You get a reaction from people from literally showing them on the news pictures of dead bodies. This is what can happen to you. You have to directly connect what is happening. And I think in the U.S. and other Western countries, if you show people dead bodies, they're like, please, this is just a scare tactic. But that actually works here. When that kind of shifted in the media, this is when people started to realize we need to be scared and we need to change our behavior. So it was very sudden. Mid-March, um, many states started like locking things down. Here in Bihar, we had our first partial lockdown or restrictions and curfew starting on the 4th of April. The thing that really was very difficult here was that um, all across Bihar, school has not been open for 15 months, one five, 15 months. So this is not, uh, we're not in a place where we can really do a lot of great online schooling just because of the infrastructure of our communities. And so basically a lot of kids have been sitting at home for the last 15 months. This was really sad because it was basically, this is the day before schools are supposed to start. And they announced, uh, the state government announced it. I know we've been saying school is going to open after the first time uh, after 15 months for like younger kids. And now it's not going to open. So what had happened was they had collected all the fees. Everyone had gone through the admission process of getting into school. Now school's not opening. Very difficult for the parents, very difficult for the public, and just this like emotional whiplash for people. Now let's talk about what's actually happening. Those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see um, putting up some data on the screen of what has, has happened and what is about to happen. So we've seen in states like Maharashtra and, and Delhi and in larger cities that the spike of COVID is following this trajectory of just, it's basically like a cliff. Uh, going directly upwards. And um, these are the expected both cases, which are expected to occur, which are already occurring in larger cities, and deaths, which are occurring directly from COVID. In Bihar, we haven't hit the top. It, it, today, as I'm recording this on April 27th, uh, we have not hit the top of our peak yet. In Bihar, we are expected to hit our top of our peak on around May 15th. So we are hoping that uh, we can get some more resources before then. The reason why this is so devastating is already hospitals and our healthcare system already struggles to support the population of what we have in some of these massively populated areas like Mumbai, Delhi, and Bihar, Uttar Pradesh and Bihar are the most populated states of India. In Bihar, we have 100 million people in a state the size of Indiana and probably has a lot less resources than even a small city in Indiana as far as the medical uh, resources that we have here. Sirens. 
We have to look at the perspective of a, this is a place which is already massively under-resourced. And when you put this kind of pressure, things are just not going to go well. So a lot of people are dying right now because they can't get a ventilator, they can't get certain drugs, and people can't get oxygen cylinders because we just simply don't have. These are very difficult facts to deal with. And basically the only thing that most of us can really do right now is just to stay home, prevent getting infected, not going out, not meeting people, not and just being extremely cautious. So there's a real sense of fear, like there are um, the streets are pretty much empty, and then day and night sirens are just going, as you just heard. Uh, just a constant flow of sirens. Um, uh, but from what I hear, the doctors are just so completely overwhelmed, overworked. I can tell you from personal experience that uh, a lot of younger people are now dying from this new variant. The double mutated variant, we don't know a whole lot about it. We don't know if it's resistant to the current vaccine composition that we have. And we there's just a lot we don't know. But what we do know is that a lot more people are dying. Uh, and a lot more people, younger people are now becoming sick. We all have to be extremely careful. What all the major data is showing is that if you've taken both doses of the vaccine, that it will prevent you from becoming seriously ill or dying. And um, right now we are seeing that on a mass level. Uh, this is not gonna end from social distancing. Uh, I've, I've seen some really stupid memes and, and misinformation on WhatsApp. Oh. Can we just everybody delete WhatsApp right now? It's so frustrating to see these memes going around. It's like, these are good things to do anyway as like a preventative, but it's not going to protect you 100% from coronavirus, like from COVID-19. This is not so easy. Um, and and I think that there is just so much information. It's, it's infuriating to have to deal with the risk that people are putting themselves through. You know, it is difficult to see from a, a, an economic, socioeconomic standpoint, we did not go into a full police patrol lockdown. Things are still open. People are still getting married. People are still having funerals, which, you know, you have to. But it, it is very tough to see people who've already been delaying their marriages for one year or have now waited forever. And now it finally opened up. They're getting married. And, and now this happens where they have extreme limited. So we're hearing weddings almost every night occurring uh, along with the sirens going to trying to pass through the wedding party. Last night, I got stuck in a jam right by the hospital because on one side there were ambulances and on one side there was a wedding party. And it's, it's sad and it's scary. Um, but you also understand why, you know, people are going through real hardship here and they've already delayed for one year, you know, here with the arranged marriage kind of culture, it's very difficult to like fix your match and then wait another year or two, you know, it has to happen kind of fast. Um, so I understand the plight of, of people that need to go through and get move, move forward with their lives. Uh, but it's also extremely difficult to see these kind of things happening. So what can you do? How can you help? If you're in India, you already know what to do. <laughs> we just got to hold on. Uh, we need to stay home. We need to do everything that we can. If you can stay home um, and, and just try your best just not to take any unnecessary risks. We all know this. In the next couple weeks and months are going to be very, very difficult. We all know that. But we just have to hang on. For those of you that are outside India, there are a number of posts that I've been sharing on my social media. There's not just one way uh, to donate or to help, but there are a number of organizations which are doing really great work. 
Um, I would say some of the main needs right now are oxygen cylinders, um, certain drugs. Maybe one of the things you can do is if you're in a, uh, in a democratic country, you can call uh, like your representatives or your leaders like the, and ask them to, uh, what are we doing about helping India through this crisis? By the way, India is one of the major producers of vaccines and uh, materials that have been helping the rest of the world through the pandemic. So if we shut down over here, guess what's going to happen to everyone else? We need your help. I've also put a couple, of, a bunch of information in on my social media, on my Instagram, Invisible India, of how you can help. A few small things you can do, uh, ways to amplify resources and help people to figure out how we can get the right uh, drugs, injections, uh, people, places to get vaccinated and places where we can get oxygen cylinders and finding out the availability of other resources that people need. So thank you so much for listening. This is a difficult um, topic, and I know that uh, I'm not fully editing this as much as I usually do, so uh, apologize again for like sound quality issues. I'm just trying to get this out there as fast as I can and um, just wanted people to become aware of what's happening here. Just want to share my empathy with those of you who have lost loved ones, friends. We have lost um, some very close people to us in the last couple of weeks. It's been really disturbing. You know, we just all have to show each other empathy right now and, and be there for each other in the best ways that we can. We all need to stick together in this. Be aware of who, who needs to be blamed for um, their failures. Uh, but I think the first thing we need to do is like figure out how to solve the problems and then we can figure out how to blame uh, and hold, hold, uh, hold people accountable later. Thanks again and till next time. The music for the Invisible India podcast is performed by Christopher Halen Sitar and Ed Henley on Tabla on Rag Bhim Palasi.